Welcome to another hard-hitting episode of Customer Cafe by Calabria. Calabria is a tool that turns good account managers into great account managers through the power of great collaboration. A great account manager is a team player. This podcast is made for those in sales, customer success, and account management as a place to caffeinate, ideate, and collaborate. Subscribe now for the latest brew. Let's hit the grind. Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name is Menachem uh, and I'm the VP of growth here at Calabria and I'm Sharon and I'm the content and community manager at Calabria. So before we jump into things, uh, I just want to say uh, again, um, we're, we're getting ready to launch Calabria and we are looking for design partners. So if you're in sales, customer success uh, or account management and you use Outlook as your primary email, email client, we would love to hear from you, um, and I think you'd love to give Calabria a try because it can help you collaborate with your team. Um, so let us know. Go to calabria.com and uh, click join the beta uh, or get started. I forget what the button says, but it's something like that. Uh, you should be able to figure it out and uh, get in touch with us, and we'll show you the app and give you early access as soon as it's available. Um now that that's done, uh, we are joined today by Justine Wares. Nice to nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Uh, Justine is the Senior Customer Success Manager at User Gems. Uh, she's got a background in sales and customer success that we're going to talk to her about. Uh, she left big tech during the pandemic, joined a 10-person startup that was pre-Series A, big chance. Um, and she developed, developed and currently runs product and voice of customer collaboration programs. Um, and you are an amateur CrossFitter for almost a decade. Is that right? Uh, I am. It, um, it brings me joy to feel, you know, a little bit of pain. <laughs> wow. All right. Tell us about that. We're a little scared, but yeah, go say more. <laughs> Um, you know, from being from New York, you like things intense. And I feel like what's more intense to be healthy than to do CrossFit. How often do you do it? Yeah, I do it almost every day, probably like six days a week. Wow. Which day don't you do it? I don't do it on Fridays. <laughs> Interesting. Or on days that, uh, you know, had a, a couple too many glasses of wine the night before. Good for you. I am a member of a gym on the first floor of the building that my, the second floor is where our office is. So I go past it every single day. Uh, and I haven't stepped foot in there in, I think about five months, but you know, it's January. So maybe I'll join all the January starters. All right. Justine, tell us about user gems because the name is great and the company sounds fascinating. Yeah. So I joined user gems uh, literally almost at the beginning. So, um, back in 2021, the company started in 2019 and really the only people there were like our two co-founders and a lot of engineers. And then me and one other CSM and two salespeople, and then a few people for marketing. So it was a really, really bare bones team, but what got me really excited about it was how easy it was to understand the product. So what we do at User Gems is we track your customers, your buyers for job changes, and then we service them back into your CRM automatically. 
And then by taking it a step further, we also automate all of the outreach that can be done by our sales and marketing team. So any type of like marketing, uh, paid advertising or paid social, um, and any types of like outreach or sales loft sequences that your sales team needs. So in terms of like, or like aside from generating new pipelines, something that I think all companies are kind of looking for right now is a way to protect revenue. Um, so now we're really taking it a step further from that and focusing more on keeping track of champions for your CS teams so that when someone's champion leaves, your CS team can immediately be notified and then have some type of a like playbook or action plan on what to do now. Because as soon as, as, soon as your champion leaves, that whole account's at risk. So now we're really trying to, to help with um, retention and churn prevention going into 2023 as well. So you started, you started with account management, targeting account managers and salespeople, and now you're expanding into CS. Yeah. So I think really like who our main, um, I guess like persona is, is sales leaders and marketing leaders. So it's really focused, or we have been really focused on, um, pipeline generation and having consistent pipeline. Um, and where else to get that from than people who already know you, love you, use you. Um, but now also we're, we're trying to focus more on helping customer or helping our customers and other companies, um, prevent churn. So it's, it's something that's been affecting a lot of, of industries as of late. I'm curious to know when it comes to the, you know, everyone's champion, um, I'm curious to know if you have data, you know, what the rates are of like champions just walking off without the goodbye and without the proper handover and, if that has escalated in recent months with the recession? I'm assuming yes for that, but I'm curious if you have any more information. Um, so in terms of like, so let me answer this in two ways. So in terms of the percent of people leaving, um, before like in early 20, like in 2021 and early 2022, it was the great resignation, which is like this buzzword that's been like buzzing around, you know, SaaS companies and LinkedIn. Um, so people are are really noticing their worth and leaving their roles. And people were changing jobs at around like a, a 20 to 30% rate. Um, now it's more so, it, it's still around the same or higher. However, it has to do a lot with reorgs and layoffs and essentially still people finding new opportunities in new companies. So I don't have data in terms of like how many of these are sudden and how many people like repping their, their successor. If there is a successor, a lot of times there might not be. Um, however, like the rate of change is still quite high. That's so interesting. Like I, I want there, obviously there must be, but I, I, I wonder what the difference is for, you know, a, a service provider or a SaaS company when, some their contact leaves, which is obviously kind of a traumatic event. That's you know a red flag and like oh we got to worry about this account. But like, what's the difference between your champion leaving voluntarily or involuntarily? Yeah, um, I think personally it's it's difficult. Um, if especially if you only have one point of contact, or they really kind of silo themselves into like I am the specialist at user gems. And I only know how our user gems work and my team's too busy and, and they have other projects. This is my project. If that person leaves either voluntarily or involuntarily, um, a lot of the past communications on performance and strategy gets really lost. Yeah. Um, so something that, that we're really trying to focus on now is 
multi-threading within accounts. So like how many points of contact can I have here? Um, how many people can we get involved in our, our weekly or monthly conversations about our product? Um, just so that they're not alone in, you know, whatever piece of tech stack they're, they're um, taking over. It's a balance though. Cause you don't want to take up too many people. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's really hard to find that balance and it's really difficult to figure out what value is this going to bring to another person? Because we don't want to just get people involved for, for us. Um, mm -hmm. We want to get people involved because it'll help them with internal collaboration. It'll help them grow. Um, it'll help them, um, you know, maybe I've seen promotions happen from, from doing a job really well on a specific piece of tech stack um, because they were able to prove to, you know, their boss that they're doing a great job. And I think doing it alone is definitely really hard. We like collaboration at Calabria. Uh, <laughs> Justine, so tell us, tell us more about yourself and what you do at User Gems. So um, I'm from New York. I live in New York. Um, Where in New York? New York? I live in Brooklyn. Um, nice my favorite place. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, in terms of like myself at user gems, I, I joined the team with one other CSM. So me and my counterpart have really been focusing on what does CS look like in this org and what can we take from our previous orgs that we either really liked or really didn't like. So something that we focus a lot on is working really closely with our sales partners, um, and working a lot closer, um, with our product teams that maybe other CS teams kind of get siloed into themselves. So mm -hmm. something that we do here is, is we have our joint target accounts with our sales team for expansion opportunities or um, different types of upsell opportunities. And we always keep them in the loop and they also do the same with us. So um, in terms of, of what we're doing here is trying to force our sales teams to collaborate with us, but we don't have to because they're great. Um, and they absolutely love hearing from us. Um, or at least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> um, so in terms of like growing our team now, we are now six people, um, hoping to continue to grow throughout the rest of the year as well. On the success team. On the success right. team. Yeah. And your sales team is internal. Yeah. Yeah. No, our, our sales team is internal. We have like a, a sales team, a CS team. We work closely together. And in terms of like how that looks, we both report to the CEO. So both teams are really aligned on our goals and basically our ARR are bringing on new customers. They need to be good customers and ones that, that are, are a perfect fit. Um, or at least a good enough fit that our CS team can help them become successful customers. So, so tell us more about your voice of customer uh, uh, programs. What, what do those look like? Yeah, so I I started them at, when I was back in big tech. So mm -hmm. I was really lucky to have a manager that knew that I loved product, and she would really volunteer me for a lot of different. Um, like projects with our engineering teams and our product commercialization teams. And I got really involved with that there and ended up becoming the New York City um, voice of client program. So I represented like 300 people um, and 300 people's clients um, in our org. And it was really special. And I, I thought it was really impactful. And I, I got to, you know, run a lot of beta tests. I got to be at the forefront of pitching new projects um, and some of which did actually get you know, taken on, which is huge at like a big company like that. Um, and then when I moved over to, to user gems, 
we didn't have that, of course, because, you know, there were 10 of us and I could slack our VP of engineering or our, our CTO any second of the day with any type of idea. And so as we started to grow, I, we needed to kind of get more streamlined with it. So what I had done was first get buy-in from our CTO and be like, this is why we need this. And the reason being is because we're getting all of this customer feedback and our engineers are incredible with new features and updates. But when you start to separate what the feedback is from customers and the users and what engineering thinks that the customer wants to see, it starts to end up with the engineers building a lot of great things that the customer didn't actually ask for or see value in. So what I started was a monthly um, CS and product uh, meeting where the first half is someone from the engineering team talking about what's on the roadmap or talking about something that they're building so that the CS team can then say, um, you know, I wouldn't see it like that. Or if I were using this, I would want it to do X, Y, and Z um, mm -hmm. to kind of try to get another perspective of an actual user because our product is not an engineering product. So our engineers don't use our product. Um, so that's the first half. And then in terms of the second half, it's all on customer feedback and feature requests from both the CS team to make our lives easier, but also things that we're hearing over and over again from, from the client side. Um, and something really important for that is to be able to quantify the why. So it's great to say our clients really want X. And then it's like, okay, why? Um, and then you're like, I don't know. I just hear it a lot. So you really have to ask like, why do you want this? What does your life look like without having this? What would you do? Like, what are you doing now without this? Is it a different mm -hmm. product? Like, are you spending a lot of time on this? Like how much time are you spending? Cause you don't have this and putting it into words like that is really what makes those types of meetings more impactful and, and more enjoyable for the engineers to work on. So, so are you inviting, you're inviting the engineers to that meeting with the customer? No, no. So, so Oh, God, God forbid, we would never let the engineers talk to a customer. Our, our engineers are lovely. No, so we we do basically two representatives from the customer success team. It's me and right now uh, my manager. Mm -hmm. And we had, we started with our CTO and then like all of our engineers. And now we've, we've thankfully evolved a little bit and we have now a VP of engineering and a product manager and I think in 2023, something I'd love to see come out of it is the product manager and our VP of engineering starting to talk to customers. Um, but we haven't done that yet. Um, but I'm really excited to start doing that hopefully this year. It's uh, it's hard to to get you know the the not traditionally customer facing uh, parts of a business to to be more customer facing. But I mean, there's not a department that that wouldn't benefit from it. Um, and that's great that you're you're kind of opening up connections, not just from the customers into the company, but between, uh, between departments, you know, to just to see CS talking to engineering is, you know, I wouldn't take that for granted either. Um, how, how do you remove barriers like that, uh, to collaboration between departments? Yeah. Um, specifically, I think I can talk more for engineering and like product teams from a go-to-market mm -hmm. side because I think it's so much easier to collaborate with sales and marketing and CS like internally 
Um, mm -hmm. We all kind of have similar personalities and we all know what each other's goals are. But I think if our engineering team tried to tell me what their goal was, it would be in a language I didn't understand. Um, so something that, that I think is really important is getting some buy-in from your VP of engineering, your VP of product, like someone that sees value in having their team talk to you. And I think that's kind of a barrier that sometimes is hard to break. It's something that sometimes mm -hmm. I meet with people about what I do here at User Gems. And they're like, how did you get them to meet with you? And it's one of those things where you need to get buy-in from somebody um, on that team that sees value in this. Um, so that's really the first part. Um, and then the second part is understanding, um, like, like you kind of mentioned, they like engineers talking to customers as a joke. And I think they'd be great at speaking to customers, but they do like to be, um, they have different personalities than someone who talks to clients all day or to someone in sales. Um, so it's really important to recognize that. And I was, I was really lucky enough to take a course on product strategy and you kind of learn how to put things in like engineering terms, um, of just like, I would like this so I can do this because X, um, and then always giving really positive feedback. Um, that's something that I think people miss. Like they start asking and asking and asking and asking. And they're just building and building and building. And no one ever says, this is awesome. This has impacted me X way. Our customer mm -hmm. said X, Y, and Z about this thing that you built. And it's two way. Like they, you need to put value in them listening, hearing from you, but they want to see value in, in from a, from a flip side of that. And I think that's a part that gets lost as well. Just the, the feedback that goes to the engineering team. Yeah. I think it gets like a lot like really missing because if you don't go out of your way to shout them out or to tell them about it. A lot of the times engineering doesn't mean no, market and they don't know if what they're building is, is helpful. Um, and I think that can just kind of just that little bit of letting them know, like this person just said it was awesome. Thank you so much. It goes a really, I, I also wonder, like, I, I like the idea that you're wanting to introduce product and engineers to the customer, but like, maybe that's not necessary. You know, if you, if you figure out a way to really collaborate and share information the people who like that's their thing they enjoy it you know um you don't want it to become a chore for people who aren't interested so you may have a good thing already I don't know yeah I think maybe a good first step instead of being like you need to meet with one customer per quarter like it you're it's it's part of your job now is just seeing like does anyone want to like does anyone yeah. feel like they would want to meet with somebody and then if someone says yeah I think that would be really beneficial for my own personal growth, mm -hmm. then like help them set that up, but don't force it on them. Yeah. I love that. So user gems is about the pipeline and, um, how do you do it? Right. What is a good, what is the definition of a good pipeline? Yeah. So, I mean, everyone right now is looking for sustainable pipeline channels. Like what is going to always give my sales team something to work with? Um, and one of the oldest sales playbooks is find one of your old customers and sell to them again. Um, so finding your loyal customers as they move is super hard to do manually. Um, so essentially what we're trying to do is generating pipeline from your own customer base. And then as you as a company start to grow and bring on more customers, that pipeline from your customer base changing jobs is only going to get bigger. 
Um, so the thought here is it's an added bonus um, that your customers already understand your product. They already went through the buying cycle. Maybe they already even like did the entire implementation. So finding your own kind of like sustainable pipeline within your own user base is really, really important right now. Makes sense to me. So basically you have your champion and I could just be champion at company X. They'll also be there at Y. And now all of a sudden you have two customers. That's the idea. Yeah. A lot of the times people talk about like, um, customer lifetime value of like, okay, a customer, you land and expand. Um, but no one really talks a lot about champion lifetime value. So as that person moves and they, they buy, a product for $20,000 and then they move and then they buy it again for $20,000 and then they move again. And now this person's a $60,000 person, hmm. but now you have three different companies, um, as your customer champion lifetime value. That sounds like a, I love this buzzword in the making, but I also love that it's about relationships. Like that's like, it's, it's real. It seems more authentic than, you know, like you really built a relationship with someone with your product and their company, but it's also that humanity there, which we, we like, I like. <laughs> so, so I, I guess I didn't realize this at the start user gems can is kind of useful in two directions. One, it can help flag an account when, when a champion leaves and help you try to, you know, save that pipeline. Uh, but also it helps you expand your pipeline when a champion moves to another company and you can then approach that company. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Oh, okay. Now, uh, now thinking back to the beginning, it's like making more sense to me <laughs> that you started on the sales side where it's, you know, a, a champion moving somewhere and then this is a new opportunity. And now, you know, the, the act of leaving is also a useful signal for the CS team. That's really cool. So, you know, it's January beginning of January. Um, and you know, any salesperson that's listening to this has probably, you know, set their entire pipeline on fire in their, uh, uh, attempts to, uh, you know, close just a few dollars more. And, uh, at the end of December, uh, of a really tough year, uh, what's your advice for all those people who are now kind of having to build a brand new pipeline, uh, from scratch? Yes. Um, so something that we've been doing really great here and something that I've heard is really helpful from our sales team is building a personal brand specifically on LinkedIn. Um, so even just posting like once a week, um, something that is helpful for other salespeople um, or other um, marketers, depending on like what type of pipeline you're talking about um, and starting to interact with different people in your field and kind of starting to get your name out there even if it's nothing about your product. Um, so I want to stress, like, don't be like a personal billboard for your product on your LinkedIn. Just start talking about your own experiences. Um, and then something else that that's really great is obviously tracking your customer base. Um, you don't, you know, necessarily need a product like user gems to do that. Like I said, it's the oldest sales playbook in the, um, you know, around, um, you can do some of these things manually um, just to try to get some reliable pipeline from the beginning, um, but also setting some small goals for yourself. So don't kind of like come into to January or Q1 or if your fiscal year starts in February, um, don't come in and be like, everything's on fire and I have nothing. Start with very small goals that you can reach daily so that you can mark something off per day, even if it's making five phone calls or sending five emails or having one impactful conversation per day um, will really keep you going rather than saying, I have this quota and I need to figure this out by Friday. 
Um, it's definitely not a great outlook to have. Like setting incremental goals. Yeah. And I really like the impactful conversation was one, like when I was in sales, um, that's something that, that helped me because if you kind of look at your quota and you're like, okay, I need to make this much by this date and this much by this date, it's just really big. Even if you try to cut it down. Um, so even just the one impactful conversation per day, um, you can leave and you can say, okay, I had a great conversation with this person, or I made a really um, great connection and can network from this person. Um, and I think just human connection is really fulfilling rather than just like a numbers game or just kind of trying to like put things out there and nothing happening. So I, I like that. I think, you know, having something that's achievable is, is far more motivating than a monstrosity of a goal. Um, so you just said two things that lead me into my next question. So one is you talked about your social media presence, particularly LinkedIn, and then also about doing smaller things broken down to move forward. So I may have stalked your LinkedIn and pulled a post that I really liked um, when you announced, this is not 14 months ago now, but <laughs> at one point in time, you said 14 months ago, I left big tech to be able to have a bigger impact. I loved that. And I love the whole post and I wanted to ask you more about it. Wait, Sharon, yeah. you went 14 months back on her LinkedIn. I don't post that much in her defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so really that post, and then, I don't know, maybe we can link it somewhere. Um, so yeah. that's not like, someone's like, what, what are you talking about? Um, basically what I, I had wrote is that I kept getting turned down for positions in big tech. So like, um, I've always wanted to work in product. I've always wanted to work with product and I, I left big tech to have a bigger impact specifically on product. Um, and it's I kind of all started five years ago when I had mentioned that I was doing a lot of work with our, our product teams. And I enjoyed it so much that I applied for a position. And essentially they said, I, I didn't work closely enough with the people that were involved because it was such a big company and I couldn't possibly work with all of these people from a CS role. Um, and I kept getting siloed kind of further and further into CS. And so something that I had done was say, you know, this is something that I'm passionate about and I'm going to find somewhere else to do this, that I can be more impactful. And I wanted to join a smaller company and I didn't necessarily think it was going to be a 10 person company. Um, it just so happened that that's the one that I, I felt so closely um, about, but um, I'm really grateful that I was able to kind of take that opportunity and even say that in my interview process. So like, if you're looking for you know a new role right now and you kind of feel siloed or you feel like you're not making a big enough impact as you want to talk about that in your interview process and say you know something that I would really like to do here is something that I said was something I would really like to do here is work really closely with you and I was interviewing with the CTO um mm -hmm. I I have this experience and I want to broaden that and and help with my own personal and professional growth. And if they don't hire you, then like, that's not where you're going to get that. <laughs> or like, if they, like, that's not what we do here, we are not hiring you for this, then that's not where you're going to get that next step. And I think it's really important to, to know what you want um, and to communicate that in, in your interview process. That's a great way to, to really stand out in an interview also. You know, 
if I was interviewing someone, I would love to hear that. Yeah. Having your own like professional goals that you're able to just, even if it's small, just say, I really want to do X. Um, and it maybe is not related at all to your job description, especially <laughs> in start, like the startup world. That's like music to people's ears. They're like, you want to, you want to do more initiatives and projects to help us. Um, we love that. <laughs> Let's bring things back to more uh, collaboration between between sales and customer success. Um, in your in your role at User Gems, are you are you responsible for like a do you have a revenue number that's attached to your accounts? So if they if they want to buy more, they they come to you, or you you work with somebody in account management that like kind of swoops in and takes all the credit. It's a great question. Um... Right now, we do not have like a quota. Um, and it's something that is kind of ever changing. We're trying to figure out what works here at User Gems. But in my personal opinion, CS teams should not have a sales quota. Um, and the reason being is because CS is supposed to be like a strategic advisor. Your clients are supposed to be able to come to you and say, I hate this about this product. It makes my life so hard. Um, and we're supposed to be able to, to get that feedback. And also when they start, you know, exploring different avenues, they should be able to feel like they can tell their CS rep, um, you know, I'm starting to work on this. And like, this is our new initiative. Like, what do you think about this? And then maybe we do have a product for that, or maybe they need an upsell. Um, but then the next time, and then let's say you try to upsell them and it kind of is a little bit hard or you start kind of hitting those walls, whether it's with procurement or with them. And it's just like a little bit of friction. The second there's that friction, even if they ask for it, the next time they need something, they will not tell you. And mm. that eventually could lead to being a churn risk because they're no longer communicating their needs and their wants with you. Um, so something that we do here, and I think I mentioned this, is we bring our sales partner back in for expansions and upsells. Not to say that we don't identify those, because again, like if someone's like, I need X, we could say, that sounds like maybe you could benefit from a conversation with your sales rep, um, because maybe we could help you with that. Um, and that way, you're kind of more of guiding them to this solution rather than forcing them into something that maybe now they need to make a sales purchase on. Um, and then we bring our sales reps back in. And, and if if they decide it's not for them, then it's not for them. And it doesn't affect the, the relationship with CS. And what we do here instead is have a basically like an NRR, so like net retention mm -hmm. or um, GRRs. Um, essentially number. So we we are measured on churn, but we also can mitigate that with expansion. So if someone does expand, but somebody does churn, then we're still okay. Um, and it's not it's not like we have some type of like a quota per se. Hmm. And that, that way that allows the sales focused person to be a little bit more kind of aggressive and and you are able to continue to be the person who's just more invested in the the success that your customer is having with with your company and your product. Exactly. And it's not even like they're they're more aggressive or they know how to negotiate better. It's just like they know how to sell better. Um like I'm not going to come in here and say that I can sell our product better than our sales reps. Um so I think letting them shine where they shine the brightest. Um and and you know if you're more of strategic 
partner and they are in sales, like let them come back in and sell it. Um, they likely will do a better job anyway. Uh, what other departments get called in on uh, on sales calls? We are huge on sales collaboration here. It's actually a question that I ask in, I, so I'm on our, our AE panel for interviews. And one of the questions that I always ask is like, what other departments do you bring in on deals? Um, because we bring in so many different departments. Like sometimes CS will come in and kind of lay out what implementation onboarding could look like, or like what your CS partnership would look like. Um, our marketing team comes in a lot because our persona is most of the time heads of marketing. Um, and we will have our marketing come in and say, we use our product this way. This is how we use our own product. This is like our marketing success that we have. And it makes it a little bit more tangible for them to understand how they could be using this in their own org. And then we have a great RevOps team. Um, we are, you know, integrated into CRMs and systems. So sometimes we'll have our RevOps team come in and, and kind of answer those nitty gritty questions that like, if you have someone that's really technical and they want to feel comfortable about, you know, what they are implementing into their own systems, like having a professional from RevOps come in and, and explain that to them, it's really important. So we do a lot with, with those types of teams, but also our CEO loves to come in on sales calls still. Um, he was our first sales rep. Uh, he loves to still be involved. So um, he's always down to join sales calls. And I still say he's our best sales rep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask, um, we're kind of coming towards the end of our time. Um, but I wanted to ask you for professional development, what do you read? Who do you listen to? Who do you follow um, in order to be better at your job or, or future jobs? Yeah, no. So um, on the CS side, I love Kevin Chu from Catalyst. Um, he's the co-founder from Catalyst. He posts some really great, insightful posts just in terms of like a CS perspective. Um, and then in terms of sales, uh, Kristen Connor from from actually User Gems, um, but she's had you know a LinkedIn presence since before she joined us, and she is incredible. Um, she posts some like insanely helpful sales advice that I'm like, wow, if I was a sales rep, I would subscribe to this immediately. Um, <laughs> and then obviously like, it's not, um, uh, surprising, but I do follow some marketing and some product marketing, um, which I think could be helpful, even if you're not in a product marketing role, but, uh, Karina Owens from gong, um, is great. And then I also subscribe and listen to a podcast called product marketing insider. Um, and it's, I, oh. Product Marketing Alliance, and they'll have like a special guest come on. They'll kind of talk through. Um, they're not always product marketers, but essentially something in like the marketing or product realm, um, which could be really helpful if you're in like a CS or sales um, role and and you're looking to to have more of an impact on your product teams. Well, we have our homework now. Thank you, <laughs> and thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing all of this like. This, we have a lot of a lot of collateral from this conversation now. Yeah, Justine, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was really fun. Yeah, it was great to be here. Um, it was great to to speak with you both, and um, still looking forward yeah. to that. And I Can already liked touch. I already liked that LinkedIn post that Sharon was talking about. Oh, that's so weird. Thanks for joining us for today's brew. Like what you heard? Let the world know. Leave a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Subscribe now so you never miss an exciting episode. See you soon!